This show is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find the other great shows on the network, head over to the Deluxe Edition Network.com. Hold on, stop. Welcome back to the Shit Show 2.0. Okay, Boomer. Damn millennials. Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. Even flirters who who are obviously mentally ill. You want to be my wife? Oh, this is gonna go downhill real quick. <laughs> is going on and welcome to take on the world with one and only night prowler and mike d uh night prowler uh is an old 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 friend of mine uh we wrestled together back in the day yeah a few moons few moons and yeah it's been and it's <laughs> it's been forever since we've seen each other yeah yeah like uh we, we connected on facebook uh but we yeah, haven't seen really. each other i'd have to say it was at least 12 or 13 years Oh, at least, at least, and then I still say it's a travesty. We need a reunion. Yeah, we do. We need to get the we need to get the band together, guys. Uh, Love Bug and uh, all the gang, even Adam Toot. Adam Toot and I actually get along really good now too. Get out of here! You're yeah. lying. No, we do. <laughs> yeah, like like I think we both got older and wiser, and and yeah. said, let's stop being stupid kids. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the wrestling business is the wrestling business, and and not everybody always gets along, and. I had my share of that. We uh, all had our share of that. <laughs> as a younger man, I was I could be a prick. Uh, so there was a couple guys who didn't particularly like me, and they told me, and I told them. And but now I, we we were just talking about uh, another guy, uh, Bill Daly, and I. Uh, I actually love the dude. Like like he is a stand up dude. But back in the day, I just hated. Him. I just I I didn't really hate him. Mm-hmm. I just hated the youngness, the cockiness, the brashness. Yeah, it was definitely cocky. I think yeah. I was at that age because I was older than like. Well, I didn't realize till tonight. I was today days old <laughs> when I realized that you're almost the same age as me. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, you had started much later than me. Yeah, I, God, what's that? I you think were I was like 29 when I started. So that was yeah, that was so 99. I, I started in 2001. So. Give me twenty one. No, no, I was born in nineteen seventy. Yeah, so two thousand one is twenty one. Seventy and two thousand. Oh, you were thirty one. That's right, because I was twenty six. That's. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't fucking do math. <laughs> math is hard, bro. I count it on my fingers for those that are not not watching. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't count obviously at all. <laughs> and I counted like ten. Yeah, because I I started when I was twenty six, so. Yeah, thirty-one. That yeah, that's and that's late for the wrestling business because all the guys we were wrestling with were were nineteen, twenty, twenty-one oh, yeah. years old. They were all young kids. You know, and uh, I don't think anybody took that into account when they were, when we were training. No, like, no. I, well, nobody gave a shit. Like, we we didn't get no special treatment. No, no. You're here. We don't care if you're old. Yep. Uh, and, and the fact is, is I'm I think as older, if not older, than both of the guys who trained us. So, like, that says something. Like. I'm your elder. Fucking respect me, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, obviously, language is allowed on this podcast. Uh, the disclaimer on our podcast is, uh, if you are triggered easily, do not listen to this podcast. Might not want to watch. If you are or easily listen. offended, 
no, this is not the place for you because I don't fucking care who I offend. Um, I never have, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. You're always a good guy to me, man. I, but the guys who were decent guys, I, I, but a guy with attitudes just like mine, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Two alphas colliding. <laughs> so I, I got some housekeeping stuff I got to do. Uh, Take on the world is on the deluxe edition network. Do you remember exactly? It sounds real familiar. I think he might have been going like he was a flash in the pan, but he was actually pretty. He was actually a decent wrestler if he could remember everything he was supposed to do in the ring. Exactly, uh, Casey uh, actually does a podcast. He's that one who got me into podcasting. He had me down, and just the same way I'm having you, and we were just bullshit about old times, and I just I loved it. Like. I was on, it was Saturdays with Chicken Duck was his podcast. And, uh, I just, I enjoyed it so much sitting there and just bullshitting. We could have went for three hours and it would have been, we wouldn't have even know. Yeah. So, um, he now does Deluxe Edition, another pop culture podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's had some great guests on there. He had, uh, Burt Ward as, as a guest. Yeah. Yeah. Like that amazement. Uh, yeah. You remember the Beast Original Master? Robin. You remember the Beastmaster? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he interviewed him. He's actually friends with a dude now. Really? He, yeah. He's Mark just, Singer. He, he's, he's around here? No, no. He's out in California. Oh. But the guy loved coming on their podcast and talking. He actually uh, follows our podcast. I don't know if he listens, but he follows <laughs> it. He follows it. That's... Uh, but that's a bonus. Um, he, um, which is a group of podcasts. That all do kind of different stuff, but uh, we all support each other in in our own ways. Uh, it's uh, deluxeeditionnetwork.com because we just changed the uh, website. Uh, but uh, check it out. Go yeah, on there. Check out. Check, check out the out. other podcasts that are on there. Uh, I love Barrel Age Flicks. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, love that podcast. Um, there's uh, Return of the Living Flat. Uh, he does a lot of movie stuff, a lot of video game stuff. Uh, there's uh, Organic Spaceship. Uh, actually, find the episode where he explains where the name came from, because I love that. <laughs> like, There's just great stuff out there. And maybe not all of it's for you, Yeah. but you're going to find something that you like, I'm sure. And, uh, and then when you're done with that, you come back to Take on the World and listen. <laughs> on the Deluxe Edition Network. Let's see if I can get it right this time. Every month, they have a podcast of the month, a spotlight podcast. That's what I was trying to think of. I mixed the two together and came up with Spotcast. Nice one. Uh, Heavy Metal Journeys is this month for September. Now, we we take kind of out of order. So if you're listening to this in October, it might be something else. But what you do is you go to luxedition.com. You go to the podcast of the month, and you'll see who it is there. Right now, as we're taping, it's Metalhead Journeys. Uh, They do music reviews discover new music uh mostly in the heavy metal genre okay which is one of my favorite words um they give their honest opinion on music uh whether they like it or don't like it they'll let you know but boom there you go okay podcast of the month september 2022 deluxe edition network metalhead journeys to this is our 80th our 80th episode that we've taped actually our 80th episode that will air We've taped a few that that, that <laughs> couldn't quite make it. That could not make the cut. Uh, when we first started out, 
it was me, John, and, and a friend, Katie. And uh, we would drink all night. And we would do three podcasts, full shows, night. And by the third one, we got a little stupid sometimes. <laughs> so It made for some interesting entertainment. Yes, it did. Some of them made it. Some of them did not make the cut. Yeah, we're not showing. Cut that out. Actually, the, a funny story is when we first started, uh, we taped about 10 episodes. And then I went back and I edited them all. And I went back to them the next week and I'm like, I can't air this. There's no way I could put this out in the airwaves. And they're like, why? I'm like, dude, we're so fucking vulgar. And they're like, well, have you listened to any podcasts? I said, well, I don't really listen to podcasts much. I listen to Saturdays with Chicken Duck and they bleep everything out. I said, but like, I'm, I'm fully 100% sailor. And, uh, ah, Nady's here. I brought you a soda, buddy. Uh, Nathan Blaze is going to join us at the table. Thank you, Lexi. Uh, Do you need me to help you there? You sure? That's what I'll do then. He is a sexy man. Yes, I can't help it. Uh, Genetics. What was I talking about? Before this young man threw it in with me. The podcast. Oh, oh, yeah. So I'm sitting, I'm like, hey, we can't air this. And they're like, have you listened to the Ohio podcast? And I'm like, no. So we sat there, we listened to two full episodes of Brohio, and I'm like, yeah, we got no problem. <laughs> we can end this. Brohio is two guys in Ohio who also worked in a prison at one point uh, doing that podcast. And um, yeah, they put us to shame with vulgarity. So, you need help. I will pause this for a second because I'm going to cut this part out. If you fall off that chair, I'll be mad. I don't want to watch you struggle. You got it? Yeah, I got it. Make sure you're talking into your shit. Let me get your sound level. All right. Well, I can hear you. I sound loud and clear. Sounds good. Sounds clear. Sounds good over here. Yeah. He, that for some reason that microphone, because John's always on that microphone, and that microphone just pops. Like sometimes I'm like, shut the fuck up, John. <laughs> Not just because he's talking stupid, but because he's pretty loud. Yeah. So anyway, back to the show. Uh, just so you know, we're gonna talk a little shit about wrestling for a little bit, and then maybe uh, cut and start over and do the the uh, episode. All right, you guys have fun with that. I'll sit down and... Well, you, you can reminisce as, as a, a former wrestling fan. Watching me fall off the top rope. Yeah. So, um... All right, the Lux Edition Network did that. Uh, check us out on all the socials. Blah, blah, blah. There'll be a link below. Click like. Freaking hit the bell. Do all that algorithm shit. I don't care. Uh... If you do see us on Spotify, give us a five-star rating. If you think we suck, give us a five-star you suck. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Works in my book. Yeah, it works for us immensely. <laughs> uh, so so back to wrestling at hand. Uh, so the year you started, you said, was 2001. Yep. So that was the same year that me and Bob started PXW. Uh, 2000 was our first PXW show, I think. It, no, 1999, we did the Reading Fair. Or no, 2000, we did Reading Fair. 
we had one show before the Reading Fair. So we were already running our shows. Uh, we started training like three or four years after that. But when Jake and Paul shut down, we, we, we opened up Ring General. Yeah. And started training. So, yeah, we go back that far, dude. Yeah, it's been many, many, many years. You sit back and just reminisce about, you know, I don't know. You miss it just so much. Uh, I I miss it immensely. Like I said earlier, uh, I walk by a ring, I get itchy. I like, I just want to get in. Yeah. And these kids don't know me now. They don't know martial law uh, because they're uneducated heathens. Um, (laughs) Everyone should know martial law. Everyone should. Uh, I occur. They concur. I'll learn how to talk one day. Yeah, words are, words are hard. Yeah, words. When you take enough steel chairs to the head. Yes, true. Yeah, yeah. That, very oh, true. And they're gimmick chairs. Uh, yeah, I missed out on that. Yeah. yeah. Could, <laughs> could you please show me where the gimmick chairs were? Because I want you to hit me with one of them. I've never been hit with a gimmick chair. Gimmick chair. Huh. They've all been real chairs, like legit metal chairs, just like as any other room over there. That's what they hit you with. There's, there's no gimmick about it. Like, yep. I, I hate it when people, well, that chair is a gimmick. The, 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 the chair is tin. Yeah. Yeah, steel tin. Yeah, we, we went down to Movies R Us and picked up the prop and, you know, and just brought it down and used it. There's no breakaway <laughs> glass. There's no there's no sugar glass like they use in the movies. I, uh, I remember one time I was wrestling at uh, Zern's Farmer's Market. Okay. And uh, I brought my nephew down. My nephew's a couple months older. Than me. And uh, he's another one of these people that believed the ring was a trampoline. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I go, dude, it has some give. I go, come on in with me. So he's there, and he's bouncing. I go, he goes, kind of feels like a trampoline to me. So as he turned around, I just scooped him right up, slammed him on there. I go, how does the trampoline feel? Yeah. Not a trampoline. Not <laughs> a trampoline. Yeah, I, can, I can say from personal experience, it's not a trampoline. But Nathan's been in a ring, so. Well, yeah, when I used to go down to practice with them, I'd be, come on, throw me, throw me, throw me. And he'd pick me up. Boom. I, I tell you what, I have a video of Lovebug's son and him circling the ring and locking up. We had him lock up, release. Lock up, release. Just like your first day. Yeah. I remember that. Lock up, release. I remember up, doing release. that. I, actually, I kind of have a bone to pick about our training. Yeah? I don't know who instigated it, but I, I understand if you try to block a chop, you're going to go through chop chops. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was... I, I went like that. I just tensed up my chest muscles, and I had to go through a chop drill? That, I think that was very unfair. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I need to call a lawyer I, on this. I protest. <laughs> I think there's a lawsuit there, dude. <laughs> I never blocked no chops. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I did the same thing. I got the same treatment. It was just it was just a way to show you this is what's going to happen. And I, I think... I think what it was, you got to a certain point and nobody, nobody like everybody knew. Everybody kept their fist down at their side yep. and took them chops. And the, the slightest little thing is what would would say, okay, you got a chop drill. Like, yeah, you blocked that. Because no no one actually went up and, and did that. Like, I've seen that done once. In fact, someone I, did. I have a good. I remember someone did it when we were training. And it was like, oh. Were you training with Pat? Even that. better. Oh, yeah. I, I still hate him. <laughs> Remember when I said don't mention anybody's name? Yeah. yeah. I still hate him. Jake, if you're listening, yes, I still hate him. I'm still holding on to it. <laughs> Paul, actually, it was Paulie. Paulie did, um, when, when I sat down to talk with Casey, we, we talked about 
some stuff, and I, I talked about that and uh, and why I was why I had an issue with it. And uh, Paulie came on, and, and Casey was like, "Yeah, you know, Marshall always here. He's talking about how much he hated this and this and this." And he goes, "Is he still holding on to that? Is he what the hell? He's still holding on to that?" I'm like, "I'm not really holding on to it, but if you ask me about it, I'm gonna tell you how I feel." Mm-hmm. I, I dislike the way the kid acts. Now, yeah. I heard he went in the military. I give him props for that. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, salute anybody who yeah. goes instead of the military. You're putting uh, your life on the line. But in the ring, you're a douche. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm sure he's one of our millions of listeners. So if we lose one listener over this, I apologize <laughs> to the rest of the millions and millions and millions of people who are listening to this podcast. We lost the rating. The tens and tens of tens. <laughs> Uh, but no, that like he was disrespectful, not just to me as a senior wrestler, but to you guys who were training with him because he wanted to do what he wanted to do. Yeah, and that's what bothered me. And if if you're going to disrespect everybody in that room, I have no respect for you. And you you you'll you'll, you'll be the first one to say the business is all about respect. Oh, absolutely. And it's 100%. not just it's not actual respect. Because there's people who I showed respect in the business that I had no actual respect for. Yeah. Oh, one of the first things I remember them saying is the, the rules were don't burn a bridge. Don't never burn a bridge. A, a guy that you think is down here today yep. is going to be up here tomorrow and you might need him. That, that happened to me. Really? Somebody that I shit on like because I'm very forward in the way I speak uh, ended up being a promoter who Basically said he would book Lovebug, but he would not book me because I treated him like an asshole. And I said, you know what? I accept that. Yeah. I didn't get mad about it because I, I know I was a dick to him, but he was being a douche. And I told him he was being a douche. Yeah. The closest thing I came to a situation like that, now I won't mention the federation that I was, uh, I worked for, but uh, we, we were actually at another person's uh, federation. And he wanted it to be like old school wrestling, like we're we're this big huge gang coming in, you know. And it's like, and he got real mad at me because I didn't sit with him. I don't know if you remember, but I always like to get solidarity, get the match in my head, yeah, you know, and think about what I'm gonna do. So I didn't want to be part of a group, you know. And not to mention, I really wasn't part of that group anyway. Right. I was BC Bumps. That's my home. That's where I did everything. So I'm really not part of you anyway. You're just, you know, someone that gave me work, but I came down when they were doing it, and uh, they scrubbed me from uh, the championship because it's just solely for that. They wanted to really give me a push. Well, see, there was there was actually places that would not book us at first because we were from BC Bump because of uh, stuff that had happened in the past with the guys who trained us, and until they got to know us. And like one of the places said, you know, look, we never booked you before because of where you came from. But uh, if this is what they're putting out, we have no problem booking that. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling, I said, I'll tell you, what they put out is respect. Absolutely. Like, even if even if I have an issue with you, I'm going to respect you. I may tell you what the issue is, and you may not like that, but I'm still going to do it in a respectful way. With the exception of one or two instances, that's how I handled it. Mm-hmm. There was a couple incidents incidences where I. I was me, and I just, I have little tolerance for bullshit. I never, I never have. I mean, you've seen it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, now I know Adam Tudor's seen it. 
and I've seen Adam Toomes a little tolerant of bullshit. But in the end, years later, the two of us could come together and say, look, you know, I was kind of a dick. He goes, yeah, I was kind of a dick, too. Uh, so you worked it out. Yeah, same thing with um, some other guys. Uh, actually, Danny Rose and I, who had heat in the past, it wasn't major heat, but it was just stupid stuff. Uh, we, we came together and like, hey, you know, too old to have this shit. And, and even people who have screwed me over in the business, I've gone back to say, look, I'm just too old to continue to be mad at people. You know, let's just put it behind us and, and move on. And uh, thankfully, some of them did, because I know I could be a dick in the past. Um, I think we all could have the right situation. Nah, nah, you two. Oh, we've n- never towards each other. No, I, actually, I, I've always gotten along with her. Oh, okay. I've always gotten along with her. Um, I, I can't remember a time where I got pissed off at you for anything. No, oh, I mean, you were And I would tell you, because, yeah. And you would know, because I would have said something then. Um, but you know, the, the wrestling business has changed so much, uh, since the time that you and I wrestled, um, I just really don't want a part of it. And maybe that's just me being an old curmudgeon, but, uh, like what we were talking about before, like you, even you watch AEW and I, I respect what everybody does in AEW. It, it, they, they do some great stuff, but it's high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot. High impact move, high impact move, high impact move. Kick up and run across the ring. No. We were trained, if someone works your leg, you do not run on that leg. Absolutely. If someone tries to shoot you to the ropes after they worked your leg, you, you fall. fall on your face. That you, you do not run on that leg, period. Because that would be a chop fest, too. <laughs> uh, so, the, the, some of the psychology is gone. So... We've had this discussion, me, Love Bug, me and John, uh, and me and Lexi. In your experience, the whole history of wrestling, who is the greatest psychological wrestler? Because there's one that stands out to me hands down. See, I'm going to instantly go to who was my idol of wrestlers growing up. And it's because... He never really had a belt. He did, he did towards the end. Iron Mike Sharp? <laughs> he, but he, he didn't need the belt. Hot Rod Roddy Piper. Oh. We did we did an episode on his backstory. And I will tell you, he is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. He is one of the greatest psychological wrestlers in the business ever. However, there is one greater. As a ring psychologist. For, for ring psychology and how he could draw the fans in. Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake was cerebral in how he wrestled. And like I said earlier, me and Lovebug were not the greatest technical wrestlers in the world, but we always entertained. We always did. Uh, uh, Like, my son would go to shows, so he knows the business to an extent. Yeah. And he would still think I was getting hurt. Oh, yeah. I badly. I would be at shows, and no. Oh yeah, I was little a week ago. Yeah, yeah last week. <laughs> yeah, last yeah, week. a little bit more than last week, but okay, probably two weeks ago. shorter than. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be getting hit, and or they'd pick him up, and I'd I'd go. No, oh, Lexi, Lexi was actually at my first match ever. Watch. Yeah, and I wrestled a dude. 
who had no problem making me a beat up bag. And I made it easy because I forgot everything I was supposed to do as soon as I walked through the curtain. Like I was almost puking before the match because I, when I played football, I was puke before a show, before uh, a game. Nerves. Before my match, I'm, I'm, we're at this, this venue in Northampton County someplace and I am literally trying to puke in a toilet and it was, the, the toilet was so disgusting I couldn't puke in it. That's how bad it was. And I'm standing, I'm looking for another toilet and Paulie comes in. He goes, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm going to puke. And he goes, your, your music's playing. You need to get to the ring now. So like he shifts me through the ring. Now, as soon as I went through the, the, the curtain, the character came out. Yeah. I was good. But I forgot everything that we were supposed to do in the match. And all I did is spend 15 minutes being a beat up bag. So, uh, my first match was horrible. Now, I, I wrestled years. I was an amateur wrestler ever since, uh, great. I was too. And I threw up every, before every match. And exactly what you're saying has always been, not that I would get to that point where I wanted to throw up or anything, but I would be nervous. My stomach was trying not until amateur wrestling to that guy said go then it was all it was gone but even uh going to the ring trying to be a calm cool collective as best i can especially because my character is kind of like an undertaker character and all i'm thinking like don't fall don't trip going into the ring don't trip going into the ring that's all just make it into the ring and we'll work everything out from there and everything be cool see because when we were when we were heels when we love over heels we had no problem making asses of ourselves. So if we tripped going in the ring, we made it part of the show. Yeah. Like I, I was so bad at being a heel. If it wasn't for Plus More. Plus More is awesome. He, he, would, he healed for me every time I had to be a bad guy. And I was just like. And, and that's what I was saying earlier. Like when we trained guys, our managers learned how to wrestle. Oh, yeah. So uh, we had a guy who all he wanted to do was manage. And I mean, you're going to learn how to wrestle first. And he decided, like, I, I want to wrestle. But yeah, of course you do, because now you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you, you, there might have been some fear there, whatever it was, was holding him back. Maybe he thought because of his age, he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he ended up being, like, one of the, the best guys that we had working for us because he could come up with storylines and, and like, he had a good mind for the business. And, uh, and I appreciated that. He, Great, immense help to us uh, running PXW. Um, I, I don't know if we could have done it without him, honestly. Yeah. Because uh, Lovebug didn't do shit. <laughs> like, Lovebug, he's, he's just a lazy, lazy motherfucker. I love yeah. him like a brother. Yeah, I still think that. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. <laughs> oh, Remember knows? when I said don't shit on anybody and <laughs> give him a name? That he's wow, like good job. Yeah. Okay. Good job. <laughs> no, I love Lovebug. Like, he, yeah, like I, me and him were yin and yang. Yeah. Like, he was always the laid-back, nice guy, and I was always the high-strung, worried about everything. So, like, I stressed. I still think that me and him, we missed out on a golden opportunity. With him being Lovebug, and my real-life name is Herb. Yeah. We were going to come out white shirts. I want a little racing stripe, 53 on the back, and be Herbie and the Lovebug. Yeah, that would have been awesome, too. I think it would have went over, man. That, that would have. At, yeah. At least as a gimmick match, it would have yeah. been funny. Just once. All yeah. we wanted to do was once. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was good stuff. Uh, like, I I I miss it so much. I every time we talk about wrestling, I say the same thing. I miss it so much. Uh, the 
the camaraderie with the guys, even the guys I didn't get along with. Like, I, I just, I love the whole thing. And, and some of the guys we worked for, some of the guys we ran shows like Dirty Deeds, you know, Jacob Paul, uh, even Dino. Like, I, I miss him. Like, mm-hmm. Dino was always nice. Dino was always cool with me. Dan Haney wasn't always cool to me. I was just going to say, what about Haney? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't dislike the dude, but I don't know that I respected him the way I probably should have. Um, I never disrespected him outwardly on a show. No, neither do I. But like, I don't know that he ever had any formal training or anything. And he was just there because he wanted to be a referee. And like, he was calling shot. He was a shot caller. And, and I'm like, eh, you don't know nothing about the business, dude. Like, oh, that, he, had a, he had a tremendous amount of pull in there. That storyline sucks, bro. <laughs> That's why uh, uh, me and Nick Castle, we uh, we never got the opportunity to have the tag belt. Because no matter what happened, they always would put it on somebody else. But here, you, they get the opportunity. They get the opportunity. It's like, well, he had the opportunity like 17 times. You know, yeah. What about the new guys? But he, he didn't want us to have the tag belt when we were there. We ended up with him like three or four times. And actually, my first match there was a heavyweight championship match. And I'm like, really? Nobody knows me. Like, if you expect me to go out there and just be a beat-up bag, I'm not going to do that because I don't... I, I, When we ran shows, we never asked anybody to do that. There was no squash matches. Yeah. There was no matches where we sent someone out there and said, you're just going to go out there and you're going to take heat. You don't get nothing. Because in the end, what does that do for us? Yeah. It does nothing for us. As a promoter, I want, if he goes out and wrestles you, I want him to look good, and I want you to look good. You're going to look good because you're the bigger guy. Yeah. He, and if he can pick you up and slam you, my God, he's going to get a pop. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and well, I don't think that's going to happen. He, you could easily, yes, yes, you could easily be trained to slam him. Yeah. Really? Easily. Absolutely. There's not, there's, not, there's not a doubt in my mind you could be trained to do it. The, the thing is, is where do you put it in a match and how do you make it the most effective for the fans? Mm-hmm. And the problem with wrestlers today, and this is why I don't like the business today, everybody's about me. How am I going to look? Yeah. When me and Lovebug would go to a show, I didn't care if we were over, if we were under, if we were heels, if we were faces. What do you want me to do? What can I do for your show? What can martial law do for you? <laughs> and, and honestly, it, it sounds arrogant, but like, I wasn't there for me. Mm-hmm. If I can make your show look good, that's going to make me look good in, in turn. And that's going to make your fans say, hey, where the fuck's that martial law at? Yeah. And I always tell this story because it's, it's name dropping. I'm going to name drop big time here. I was <laughs> about to say you always had that one story. Yeah. Go ahead. So we were in Boston. We worked with Eddie Guerrero. Which, love Eddie Guerrero. Oh, my God. I love Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko's match in ECW, one of the best matches I've ever seen. Absolutely. By far. Yeah. Cerebral, technical, everything. They had it all. Perfect match. Um, so we're working up there, and uh, we do our thing. And all we did was, uh, the first time was, um, it was, I don't want to say a battle royal, but it was like a Texas tornado style type thing. And at one point, there's like eight guys in the ring. We did, this, we did some chain spots, which were really freaking cool. Not like chain wrestling, but uh, where everybody's connected in, in a move. And uh, so we go through. 
we get to the end, and uh, we go back to the locker room, and Mike Quackenbush was in the match with us. He's the one who took us up there. And Mike Quackenbush goes over to Eddie Guerrero and says, you know, thank you very much, which is what I've always done after every match. Sure. I go to whoever I wrestle, I thank him for the match. Even if it was a bad match, I thank him because I can learn something from a bad match just mm-hmm. as much as I can from a good match. So I go over and I'm like, thank you very much for that. So Quack goes over, says to him, thank you. And he goes, no, thank you. And so now we're in the locker room. Now we're sitting next to Eddie. All these people, all it's all loud. You know how the locker room is. Oh, yeah. So Eddie Grill says, he goes, let me tell you something my father told him. Their father told me and his father told him. All of a sudden, everybody shut the fuck up. It was pin drop quiet. And Eddie Grill was sitting there talking to me, Lovebug, Quack, Blind Rage, and says, you know, I could come here this federation and I could go in the ring and I could work you and beat you and I've beaten nobody but the way the business is and I'm not saying this is how it is but the way the business is I'm somebody so if we go to the ring and I build you up and make you somebody you're the guy who almost beat Eddie Guerrero right wrong or indifferent but that's how the business is so but it's good psychology next month You'll still be the guy who almost beat Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero might not be here. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, so no matter what you do in the ring, you do it for the show. You don't do it for yourself. You build up both characters and tell a story. And when you're done, you, you have a match that next month, the regular guy is going to come back and he's going to have a draw now. He's going to be the draw, not just me. Not just bringing in a name. And like, oh my God, that's so insightful. And it makes perfect sense. And it was insightful, but he was telling us that. Yeah. He wasn't telling everybody that. He was telling us. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm name drop. Eddie Guerrero told me a story. <laughs> <laughs> this fly is bothering the shit out of me. <laughs> I know. I've been watching it go around. Like, must be a wrestling fan. It's because it got warm out. Uh, yeah. Like, the, the, the humidity came down and it's still warm. He's on your glasses. He loves your glasses. Let's see. Can I catch it flying in midair again? Yeah. Give me some chopsticks. He did that in the car the other day. He just went. And without any Miyagi training. Yeah. So. Well, you know. You'll begin a luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you watch wrestling at all anymore? <sighs> Not really. Casey keeps wanting me to do, uh, or wanting somebody to do a uh, wrestling podcast with him, talking about AEW. He's really back into AEW and 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 whatnot, and and, and it's cool. Like, but I don't, I just don't watch it because every time I watch it, I want to do it. Yeah. And when I do it, it's kind of depressing that I can't. I had both my knees replaced, so I I probably never get in the ring again ever. Yeah, I actually I actually it. said when I got him replaced, I would never do it again. Um, I had that last match. Yeah, that last match. The last match that was almost the end of my life. Yeah, and I almost perished watching you fall. Yeah, I fell off the top rope to the ground, uh, almost at the, the steps coming in. Uh, the ground was a baseball field because it was an outdoor match. And um, uh, even, do you remember uh, Doc Frank? No, I can't Crazy hair, 
He was a WWE doctor for a while, but uh, uh, I, I go right to Doctor Isaac Inc. Kane. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Doc Frank was the the ring doctor, and he came out. He goes, he goes, Marshall, you okay? I'm like, I'm gonna be. I'm hurt right now. He goes, what hurts? I said, my pride. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you're good. So he stayed with me for a little bit, and then and then left. But uh, like it, it, it was scary. Like I, I had to aim myself away from the steps. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Wow. The the rings were soft. So when I got up there with my big ass up on the rings, uh, they, they, they drooped a little bit and I lost my balance. And I knew I was falling. I just had to figure out where I was falling. I could have fell into the ring, but there were people there and I would have, I'd probably hurt somebody. So rather than hurt somebody else, I fell to the outside and hurt myself. I thought George Anthony's fall was bad. George Anthony's fall was bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why do you go to a stop of a steel cage and decide you're going to fall in concrete? Yeah. <laughs> That, uh, that he was hurting for a while after that. Do you remember Actually, what was that place that that we wrestled? In? Which one, Castle Hill Ballroom? Yeah, I think that's what it yeah. was a half bar and, and it yeah. had the ballroom. Well, both both of the places that we did a lot were were, were half bar. The so Castle Hill Ballroom and the Garfield in Northampton. Because for a while after uh, Hardway stopped rest or running shows, uh, PXW ran in the Garfield probably about three times a year. I love that building. Yeah, and then they sold it like home. That, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, I tried to get into Castle Hill Ballroom, but they sold it and they didn't want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Uh, I talked to the guy who bought Garfield the first time, and he was cool with it. But after a couple of years, there was a new owner, and he just didn't really want wrestling in there. I'm like, dude, we bring business in. Like, we sure. we, we do fill the house. Because, sure. you know, the business is petty. So there was another promotion in Lehigh Valley who found out we were running and they tried to run a show like six or seven blocks from us. And like, I'm not competing with anybody. If I knew they had a show, I wouldn't have run a show that day, but ours was booked first. Cause we had the, the house booked a year in advance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we're running a show. We had standing room only. They had 36 people at the show and I don't revel in that. Like I want them to do good, mm-hmm. but if you're trying to shut me down by running a show the same day, fuck you. Good for you. Enjoy your 36 people. <laughs> and we'll enjoy the full house that we had. And we didn't always have a full house. Yeah. It just so happens that night we did. That night we did. It was standing room only. Like we, we were scrambling for chairs and fans said, don't worry about a chair. We'll stand and watch. It. All right, cool. And, and as long as I've been there, because, you know, especially when you're training, you got to pay your dues. You got to work security. You got to yep. put up the ring, take down the ring. Just all part of the experience. I I kind of saw it as fun anyway, you know. But uh, we never really had an issue there. I mean, everybody's drink. They had bottles, they had cans. No, no one, no, no one got bad. No, they, they sat there. They enjoyed the show. And- Although the Garfield is where where me and um, uh, uh, Adam too had it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that didn't occur more often. <laughs> uh, you know what? Me and him were a lot alike. Yeah. And, and and I think that was part of the problem. But like I had been drinking that day and and I don't know if he didn't think I was doing enough or what, or maybe I felt like because I was main eventing now that I didn't need to do as much. Uh you know, Jacob Paul still expected us to. Uh so I did did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh and he made a comment 
and I made a comment back. He goes, well, why doesn't the asshole have another beer? I'm like, I think I will, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I remember, I don't remember which show it that we did, but beer was available. So, I, I obviously, I partake, and I'll never do it again, even if I was currently wrestling, because I swear, there, like, it felt like my heart was going to explode in the ring. Like, there was, like, nothing holding it back. It was just flowing right through it. I was just like, this is, like, the worst feeling I've ever had. Yeah, felt. I tried not to drink before matches ever. Uh, water, that was it. Yeah. Uh, it was after. I also didn't want to eat either. I always wanted to wrestle on an empty stomach. Oh, yeah, and I, I would eat after. I would eat and drink after the after. Like we we would pick up we would pick up a ring, put it in a truck, and sometimes we'd have to take it back and unload it, and sometimes set it back up again yeah. at the training center. But after we were done, we would go. The funny thing was, we ran a show. PXW ran a show. Uh, D Man Davidson was there. Uh, Love Bug, uh, Sebastian McCool, a couple other guys. So we all went to Pizza Hut, and I said, "I'll buy pizza for everybody. I'll buy the beer." So they brought out a pitcher of beer, and I grabbed the beer, and I filled my glass, and it's ice cold. It was like I took that first sip, and I'm just holding the pitcher, drinking it down. <laughs> Everybody's standing like thirsty, and I, I fill my thing again, and I'm like this. And someone finally said, "Can we have some?" You know, you know, that's just not for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, we'll get another one. Like we have three pitchers on the table, yeah. but that one was just so cold. I was like. Uh, <laughs> that reminds, and everybody's looking at me like I'm, I'm I'm a fucking asshole. That reminds me of the when we all went out to eat after my first match for Triple uh, WA. It was I was in uh, the heavyweight the the main event. It was me, D Man Davison, and Adrian going for the heavyweight title. And it was now back then everybody would tell you your first match ain't gonna be the main event. It's right. not gonna be for the belt. You yeah. won't get paid. I got everything. And I was just so happy that, like, all this stuff is occurring. You know, I can't remember who was with us, but he got very, very upset. Probably Mongoose. No, it wasn't Mongoose. Oh. Because my first match here was against Adrian for the title. <laughs> yeah. I think we got that in common. That was down in Sellersville. Yeah. 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 And I remember suplexing Adrian. And... I was holding him down here by my knee because the ceilings were so low. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, do you have to be like six foot a thousand? Yeah. <laughs> do you remember Patty O'Brien down there? I do. So when when I first started doing the, like, Tiny talked me into going off the top ropes. Remember Tiny? Mm-hmm. So Tiny talked me into going off the top ropes. So we, we were at uh, Castle Hill Ballroom. And Castle Hill Ballroom, he was, he was saying, you know, you know, you know, just because you're a big guy doesn't mean you can't do the stuff you want to do. I beg to differ. <laughs> and he said to me, he goes, if you want to go off the rope, go off the rope, dude. I said, I do, but it, it just scares me. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt somebody. I said, this is a lot of me coming down on someone. And he goes, well, you don't have to use it as as a hit for a finish the first time. Use it as a miss until you get used to it. But he encouraged me to go up on the top rope. So I stood up on the top rope. I got nervous. I jumped down. And he goes, dude, you were up there. Why didn't you do it? And so by that time, Jacob Paul came out. Mongoose came out. So like everybody's standing there watching me do this. So I get back up on the top rope. And he's like, do it. Don't think about it. Do it. He goes, it's just like your, your diving roll. So, and, you know, when I would do the diving rolls, I used to always 
fucking scare Jake and Paul because I would wait to the last minute to snap my head. It looked like I was going to peg myself into the mat. So I get up there. I just fucking close my eyes and I do it. And Jake and Paul, as soon as I hit the ground, I go, you're doing that tonight. I'm like, okay. So I did that as a miss. So they would roll in towards me so they wouldn't get hurt. So I did that as a miss for a couple months. And I worked patio down at uh, Triple WA Sellersville. And he goes, well, what's your finish? I, I was over. And I'm like, he goes, what's your finish? I said, well, I, I can't do that on you. It's a, it's a swan top from the top rope. I never hit it on anybody. <laughs> he goes, tonight you will. I'm like, dude, I, I really don't want to hurt you. I've never, I, I don't know timing. I don't know. Like, I just don't want to hurt you. And this is a lot of body. He goes, I'm a big dude. Because Patio was like six, seven. Like, he's a huge fucking dude. Yeah. He was the giant leprechaun, by the way. Yeah. He used to carry this big shillelagh and he wore the, the green fucking thing and a hat. And Dude, it was so cool. I loved him. He was a cool dude. He was a nice dude. So I I get up there. I go up to do the swamp town. I get up. I dive. I buried the middle of my head right into the middle of his chest. And I could hear the air come out of him. And I come back and I cover him. I'm like, dude, I'm so fucking sorry. As I'm, co- they're, they're not, they, they haven't even started counting yet. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, uh, we go to the back then and like, he's rubbing his chest. And, and I don't know how much he was playing it off. I'm sure a little bit just yeah. to make me feel bad. But he said, he goes, you know, you need to get that down because that's a great move for a big guy. He goes, I'm not taking you from me ever again. I'm like, dude, I understand. I'm Great so, move. Never doing it again. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he's like, he goes, you don't need to be sorry. He goes, you, you warned me ahead of time. I'm glad you said something because I could, I could prepare for it. But yeah, that hurt like a motherfucker. So the second person I did it on was Mongoose, and I buried him too. And then after that, I never, ever, ever hurt anyone after that. Like I, I've done that Swanton. Shit, it's got to be. Eight, nine hundred times. Oh, easily. And I've never hit anyone. So when we were working up here, we are doing a joint show with NEWF. It was PXW, NEWF. And a young kid came in, and he was so nervous. It was his first match. I was his first match. And I've seen him since then. He goes, he goes, you were my first match, dude. He goes, and I loved every fucking second of it. He goes, I was so afraid you were going to squash me with that, that, that swanton. He goes, I didn't feel a thing. And when I hit it that night, like by then I had hit it so many times, I went off and after, like I heard air come out of his body because he was relieved that it hit him. It was like, whoo, instead of. So, <laughs> 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 yeah, I've seen that kid several times since then. Nice kid, good kid, good wrestler, great attitude, listen to everything I said. And he's a new school guy. Like he's like one of the newer guys. Yeah. But he had a great attitude. And he, he just wanted everything to be a learning process for him, which most of these young kids don't. So that's yeah. my swanton story. That's my patio story. I, used to, I always used to always be in like, uh, when I would watch people like you and Molson, we're, we're all big guys. Yeah. You know, and you're a lot taller than me too, and you would do it. And I don't, I don't, do you remember the first time that like I, you were trying to teach me how to do a swanton? I remember trying to teach you. I remember being frustrated. I, uh, it got to the point, I, I was afraid to get on the ropes. You know, I'm not a high flyer at all. 
I thought it was. Cool. I was I, trying to do it for you what Tiny did for me. That's what. I, <laughs> that's what I was trying to. Do. I was trying to pass a little bit on. It didn't work. <laughs> so, so what he tells me is, uh, okay, start slow. We put the crash pad down. The crash pad, big big pad. You're not going to get hurt. You're like, try it from the second rope. He says. So, what I did is I got up and I got on the second rope and I'm like, I don't like that. So I was like, I'm going to need some pump. So I did put my one foot on the on the top rope. And I leaped up and I went back, landed on the side of my head. Nope, not doing it. That's it. <laughs> done. My career, as far as those are done, are done. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, actually, Quack tried to get me to do a moonsault. The, the backwards. And I'm like, uh, I just have a problem. Oh, I messed it up. That's what I was talking about, the moonsault. Not I, the... I have a problem going backwards. You know, when, when I trained, I had a problem taking a bump. Originally. Now, you weren't there then. No. But Lovebug remembered this. Mongoose remembered this. Uh, uh, Adam Tudor remember this Stein will remember this mm-hmm. I had a problem taking a bunk because when I was a kid I fell off a jungle gym and I fractured a vertebrae and ever since then when I fall backwards I try to catch myself like it, it just scares the shit out of me mm-hmm. and it wasn't to the, the point of Sammy Nuttall where they had to tie his feet together with tape and, and push him over but I, I think that was the next step for me yeah. I, Jake and Paul were very frustrated with me because I could do everything else when I would do those rolls, I would do that diving roll, and it would drive him crazy. But I couldn't take a bat bump. And then when I finally got it, it was like, oh, okay, I could do this. Yeah, I can't. I I also had a uh, hard time with the with the back. I I can't. I'm coming from martial arts. I took a keto and stuff like that. So side bumps, all that stuff. I was I was great. I knew exactly how to attack the mat. I remember you saying that back then with side bumps. <clears throat> but uh, I couldn't go back, and. I don't know if it was you or somebody, Jay Fox, but you guys have got me to like squat down and grab the ropes. Them Duke boys. Is that your phone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a big no-no. <laughs> and, that uh, scared me. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> damn Duke boys again. <laughs> Flatten the heel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you said to squat down. Someone told me. Grab the ropes and just like then you pushed, and it, for some reason, put you in the right position yeah. to hit, and that's that's all I had to say. Well, that's how they did it for me. I, I, it was probably me and Mongoose, both, because Mongoose worked with me, like, I, I can say a lot about Mongoose being Mongoose, mm-hmm. but he legitimately had a passion for the business. Oh, yeah. And he did, he was one of those guys that he would piss you off, mm-hmm. but you could never stay mad at him, because he, he was actually a, a decent dude. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I've always gotten along with him, but he used to piss me off so bad sometimes that I, I wanted to punch him. Yeah. And working in a jail, I have little tolerance of bullshit. Mm-hmm. He, he got a lot more slack than I would have given anybody else, but uh, I never did punch him. I remember pissing him off. I, I remember <laughs> stiffing him in the ring once. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There's a couple guys that got stiffed in the ring by oh, me. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I get that story later, but uh. My first friend that I considered like my best friend when I just first got there was uh was Blind Rage. Now Blind Rage is oh, five eight, five nine. He wasn't tall. He was five nine, full of talent. Yeah, definitely full of talent, and uh, he you know he didn't weigh a lot or anything like that. Now here I am at four hundred and thirty pounds, trying to learn how to be suplexed, and 
I don't know what it was. Like I didn't trust, you know, Mongo Mongo stock strong. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Blind rage got in there. Whew, right over. I went. Cause we worked so much together. I must've distrusted him. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, we pissed him off. Cause they all, he's seeing little blind rage, pick me up and suplex me like three, four times. So he got under. Then after that, he, I guess because I just did it. Why couldn't you do that for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, he got me over. He did it. Though. Well, you know what I think he was trying to do? Like, uh, Blind Rage did a snapmare. Yeah. And he was trying to do the power one. I was like, I'm still 430 pounds. That's yeah. not a gimmick. <laughs> as, as much as I can assist you in getting up, I can't hold myself there. You got to hold that weight. And uh, there was another guy that I, I actually bounced with him at a club. And we we knew each other from wrestling. So after we closed the club, we were cleaning up. Me and him would wrestle in the fucking <laughs> club. And that one day I picked him up and I carried him around the entire club to the point where my muscles were shaking because I had him in a suplex move. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally just suplexed him on the dance floor. And like when he hit, he was like, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I forget what his name was. He did a, a Japanese gimmick. I don't know. Anyway. It wasn't Waikushi, was it? Yes. Yeah. I get along good with Waikushi. Yeah. He, he 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 was from up here. Yeah. And it, we used to bounce at the same place. It was uh, Memory Lane in, in Brackville. I have a good story. Uh, he was a nut. Oh. He was. Oh, yeah. He's I, certifiable. I, 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 can get, I can get into it and do it's crazy. We were at some show. It might have been Hamburg. I'm not sure. But this was Triple WA. And he's having everybody chop him. Going around, just chopping, chopping. I'm like, raising my hand. Uh, pick me. Can 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 I do it? So, yeah, sure. He comes over. Somebody pick me. <laughs> I crank back. I chop him hard as I can. All you see is like three things of blood start coming down his chest. He's like, that was a good one. That was a good one. He's a nut. <laughs> he is a nut. I watched him. This definitely happened at the Hamburg show. Oh, he, I can't think. It was one of the Russian characters. It wasn't Nikolai. But it was, it was someone like that. But he used to do a, a, take a chair shot. You know, the gimmick chair. Yeah. Now, this, yeah, the camera. This, this one was a gimmick chair made out of oak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells him. He tells him straight out. Ah, oh, just lay into it. Just get me. He comes out and he does, and he smashes. The chair goes obliterated. All you can see is just cut down. Let me ask you a question. Like, oh my god. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather take a chair chair shot to the head or back? I would definitely take. I would take it to the head any day. The back stings for so much longer. I have a I have a solid. I wouldn't do it now because I have that back issue. I, I mean, I have a solid back, but it would hit your back, and it would just like. Be on fire for minutes. I take a chair, chair shot to the head; it would last thirty seconds, and then it just stop hurting. Like my head's so thick. <laughs> One of the best person, persons that uh, that gave that gave me my best uh, chair shot was Cage, a guy I was wrestling. I know him. For, yeah, World Star. Uh, he and him had some issues in the beginning, but we kind of worked out. We're pretty good friends now. Kind of like uh, you and uh. Adam uh, or Bill or 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 or, 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 or that one. 
<laughs> I, I think there's a trend with you in your wrestling. Uh, I'm not going to say I wasn't the problem. The only thing with me and Cage was he was he was a good wrestler. Always was a good wrestler. Always had good endurance. He was more of the ECW extreme. Where me coming from an amateur background, I wanted to do lockup. I wanted to do chain. Technical. We, yeah, we yeah. did it. Oh, every day, every day. You, we could have chained in our sleep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and that caused like a little bit of a rift in between the two. But we were we were in a in a match together, and he cranked back, and I'm like, this is gonna hurt. Oh my God! Here it comes. Here it comes. He's. <laughs> You know, because you're already thinking that, you know, we already got heat. He thought I, he thought I, like, purposely tried to hurt him during one match. Uh, so I'm like, I'm just waiting for it. I'll hear it. Pink. And I just dropped. That was the best chair shot I've ever had in my life. I barely even felt it, but it, it That's echoed. used a gimmick chair. Oh, yeah, 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 the gimmick chair. It had to be, a, it was the gimmick chair. Yeah, it was a gimmick chair. <laughs> it, had, it had the sound card on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He stomped his foot when he hit you, so. <laughs> I, I, I used to hate the, the people's, oh, the, but the chair is a gimmick. I'm like, no, the fucking chair is the one you're sitting on. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is the one you're sitting on, because I've been now, there when they set it up. The tables were physics. You put that much in the middle of those tables that are particle board, they're going to break. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You got you got to take the supports off. You don't have to take them off. They'll cut uh-huh. you if you don't. Yeah. But you don't have to take them off. I've already pulled one out and put myself through a... Well, actually, what was the craziest thing you ever did in the ring? Because I'm going to get to the story of the craziest thing I ever did. I was all about psychology and stuff like that. I mean, Yeah, I was too. Probably chair shots or going through tape. I love going through tape. Okay. I jumped. Yeah. Off of, we already know I ain't doing this. Off a balcony. Over a cage. Through two tables. To the ring. As soon as I hit the dude in the first table, I said, I'm never fucking doing this again. And I never did do it again. But I went. Uh, we were down. Um, it was a place that had a. Like. A balcony with like three rows up top. And I went up and I stood on top of that balcony. And I, I thought about it beforehand. I'm like, if there's enough people here, I'm going to go up on that balcony. I'm going to dive over that cage. And I'm going to I'm gonna put him through two tables. And they had enough people. So I went up through the crowd. You know, everybody's like, it's so unrealistic because I, I laid him up on the tables. And he must have laid there for a minute and a half till I got up, up to the top. Any normal person would have got up. Yeah. But he played with it. I got up there, and as soon as I stood on the balcony, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah, what were you doing? And Thank I, I did God this, I wasn't there to see that. I would have been bawling my eyes out. I did the swanton off the balcony, over the cage, to the two tables, and almost broke the ring. Wow. Because you're talking 360 pounds. From 25 feet up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. I lay there probably for about two minutes. The doctor came in and checked both of us. And I, I'm like, I'm waving. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm fine. Oh. Uh, but that that was the craziest thing I ever did. Wow. <laughs> I mean, there's some people that used to talk like, I would never, I would never believe. I was like, unless. I was. I, I don't like, I'm a germaphobe to an extent. So just 
locking up with someone is, is an issue for me. But to have someone else's blood on me, ugh. now I have done it. Mm-hmm. I just was never a fan. Yeah, I, I just, unless you're the WWE and you're going to give me a multi-million dollar yeah. contract. Right. I'm I'm not I'm not doing that, you know, for you're not paying you know, me enough to scar myself. Ten to a you know, a hundred dollars or whatever. It was just, yeah. But I don't know if I should say his name though. I remember a, a match over there at uh the Garfield and it was it was a cage match and uh and that's what he was it's kind of I'm stop. Cronus. No. No. It it was uh it was Butch. Oh Butch. Well, he he loved bleeding. I don't know why. He was sitting there. Um, it's literally because he had that vein on his forehead. Yeah, and it was it was like squirting out, about to hit people and something like, you know, because we're working around the stage with security, and I'm like, stop, stop. Uh, <laughs> I said Cronus because when we worked in Reading, at uh, what was it, the Body Slams in Reading or the, the arena? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> before the show. He cut himself, and he was bleeding so bad he couldn't stop it. So when he came through the the uh, curtain, he wiped his head right before he went through the curtain, and as soon as he came through, he crushed the can on his head. So there'd be a reason for him bleeding. Yeah, but he bled through the whole. He, he bled for like three hours straight, like just bleeding from his head. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pass. Actually, one of my best matches was that night. I worked uh, Pinky the Flamingo Kid. I remember Pinky, and uh, I used to do. It was a version of the tombstone. Yeah. It was a shoulder breaker. I never did a tombstone because I didn't, I didn't get anybody's head near the mat. I did a shoulder breaker, so it was all my thing, and that's how I would do. I would set up for the swanton. And uh, he went up on a top rope and did a high cross spot at the top rope, and I caught him midair, swung him over my shoulder right into the shoulder breaker, and then went up to the top rope and, and did the, the swanton. Um, that was a great match. And the other, the other, one of the other good matches I had was Mongoose. Because we did like the whole uh, Sting Vader match. Mm-hmm. We, we did that, basically that match at the Garfield. And that was, that, that ended up being a good match. One of my favorite matches uh, was with uh, Draven Blade. Oh, Draven? And uh, he, he was doing a, a mask gimmick at the time. It was, the loser has to leave the Federation. And uh, we're going at it. We're, we're doing good, man. It, we pull out all the tricks, man. I bro- uh, He hit me with the, the wooden crutch, broke the crutch over me. He uh, threw, threw the salt in my eyes. I pinned the ref. We're, we're battling on outside. Then we, someone had to come over, someone in the building, yelling, because we're going all over the I'm like, come on, you're, you're going to ruin this awesome match. But it, even that aside, it was still, it was great working him that night. I mean, he's another one that was really talented. Still is talented. Is he still say. wrestling? I believe so. Huh? Good for him, man. I think he moved to Florida, though. Did he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kakoa moved to Florida. Uh, he, uh, he, you know what you were saying about paying dues? When we started running shows, he would show up in a suit. He would help with the ring, set it up. He would. We didn't train him. Like, he didn't owe us. Yeah. But he would come in, set up the ring. He would help take it down every time. And the one day after the match, like like I said, I'm fucking tired. 
I said, hey, if everybody here could just grab one board from the rink, take it to the truck. I'd really appreciate it. It would help me out a lot. And that way, there's only four or five of us unloading the truck. You know, it takes a, a little little pressure off of us. And uh, Kako was the one guy who stood up and said, I'm going to say something. And I'm thinking, oh, he's... Because everybody seemed to have a problem with the dude. I never yeah. did. Yeah. Like, I never had a problem with him. He was always respectful to me. He was always on time, dressed beautifully, like, always acted professional. And he goes, he goes, you know, if anybody here has a problem with tearing down that ring, fuck you, you don't belong here. And I'm like, right on, dude. Okay. Yeah. Like, because we were paying guys. Like, we weren't, we weren't giving $10 payday. Yeah. If I called you and I said you're getting 50 bucks for tonight, you got 50 bucks whether we got one fan or 100 Mm-hmm. Or two hundred, or five hundred. You got what we told you, you were going to get. Yeah, and that's how me and Lovebug and, and Sebastian McCool ran PXW, and that was one of my, that was my stand die on the mountain things. Mm-hmm. Like if if we say and we book you and we say we're paying you this much, that's how much you can get paid. Now if you show up, you'll work off the door. If you just show up and we put you on the show, you're going to work off the door. Mm-hmm. So if we have a good door, yeah. you get you get a decent payday. If we don't have a good door. You're not going to get a decent payday, but you're going to know that when you get there. I will tell you when you walk in, hey, we might need somebody. If we do, you'll be working off the door. So if we have a good crowd, you can pay good. If we don't have a good crowd, you can pay crappy. Because I didn't book you. You just showed up. You know, give the guys their shots, but still. And there was very few times when I went to guys and said, look, I'm running a show. I need you to work for free. Like, it's a benefit show. Would you do it? There was not one guy on our roster that would ever say no. I said, I won't hold it against you. If you if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But, and even on those shows, I tried to give them something. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure they got fed. Make sure, you know, there was food in the locker room for them. Make sure there was water back there for them. Make sure that they, they got a little something for gas money. Yeah. You were good with those big subs. Yeah. Those, <laughs> yeah. They're like six feet long. <laughs> like, we, we just I've wanted to make sure the guys them. got taken care of. I'm just sitting there like, oh, man, I don't want to eat before a match. I want some of that. <laughs> they were, oh, man. Take where's, a piece, put it aside. Even, yeah, should have. I remember I, seeing those huge subs. Oh, they, they were good. But, you know, Once in a while, you get a piece at the end. It didn't quite, you know, get all eaten up at the end after your match or you wrestled early. It was like, the thing was, is, you know, we're not having a show without you. Yeah. And me and Lovebug. Didn't always work our shows, so that you're taking two people off the board right there. So we need to fill those two spots. So there was no show without you guys coming in. So we want to make sure that we were treated the way we wanted to be treated when we came to a locker room. And uh, guys still ask me, "You're gonna run a show?" I'm like, "I don't know," because you know there's a financial commitment there that I make to myself that has to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And if I can't fulfill it, I won't run the show. So. It is what it is. The only time I, I I'm not gonna say I had angry words with, with any promoters or something like that, but sometimes I used to get, you know, because I had plus more was my manager, and they would look aside, like they won't pay him. He's yeah, that was still, bullshit. Like, he was still coming. He's still part of the show, especially when he had to heal for me. So I would go in a lot of these places. I go listen, especially back then. I had money. I didn't care about money. I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to be an entertainer. That's it. I go. I know you can only pay, you know, depends on what comes through the door. So, 
if it comes to that to the end of the day, pay John for you pay me. You know, if you can't, if, you know, if and you're John, just going to pay John me. John was good. Yeah, he was. Like, John was a, a, a great manager to have ringside. He was the independent mouth of the South. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I always had mad respect for John. I'm telling you, I always had a hard time with uh, trying to be the bad guy. You know, I, I could do the cold stare. The and because you're a big guy, they always want you to be the bad guy. Yeah. I hate it. I, I, I liked being be a heel. Being a heel was fun. It was fun. There were at least two occasions where me and Lovebug had to be escorted from the building by the local police. Oh, yeah. I, I've yeah. heard oh, that would be epic. both those stories, I think. Uh, yeah, you have. And the thing is, is when we when we left, we're like, this is fucked up. This is scary. But, oh, my God, we worked that fucking crowd. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the, one, the one night was a baby face to heel turn. Mm-hmm. And it was in Emmaus at the uh, Eagle's Nest. Mm-hmm. And literally, they had to call the Emmaus cops to take us out to our car. They, they, they snuck us out the back door. Took us down the, the fire escape to the back parking lot where their car was sitting. Took us around to our car, and we jumped out, got in our car. We were still in gimmick, like just grabbed our bags in gimmick and left because people wanted to kill us. <laughs> uh, and the other time was in Reading. Okay, I got a question for you. Did you ever have to? We you know what you just said about the you know you're having a match where you're going to make the turn. Did you ever have to do it before the match began? Yes. Love bug. At the the Garfield uh, came out, and we were supposed to be baby faces, and we were going to turn later that night. And uh, the pack was in the ring, so Dirty Deeds there and Wise was out there. He was on the mic, of course, because he's big mouth, and uh, I love him for it. That was not an <laughs> indictment. Uh, he's on the on the and Lovebug took took his mic and said, "You know what, Dirty Deeds." You're nothing but the Pax bitch. We went from turning heel to the biggest baby faces ever. They had to change the entire show because of it. And from then on, we were tweeners. Like, we were kind of heels, but we were supposed to be baby faces. So we were tweeners from, like, then on. And that's when we started opening the shows for, for Jacob Paul. And, that, like, all because Lovebug said, you're nothing but the Pax bitch. <laughs> and like the whole crowd went crazy. They're like, they were supposed to be doing a babyface turn. We were supposed to be doing a heel turn, and it completely backfired. And the crowd just fell in love with you. Yeah, yeah. I I never talked in the mic much. It was always Lovebug was good at talking. In the mic. Yeah, he did. Well, most that was of it. the same with me and uh, me and Nick Castle. I, I pretty much you know did the the mic work, and he just sat there and looked intimidating. Well, because Pretty Boy versus yeah. But we we were we were at a a, a high school, and um, the mascot for the hostel, uh for the high school was a bulldog. Now me and Nick were the dogs of war, so I get on the mic and I tell the announcer, I go for one night only. You know we're the bulldogs of war, and for some reason they hated us. We had a we had a flip. We weren't never supposed to stop being baby faces, and it was just like, man, man, they're not they're not into us at all. It was like, they're locking up. You guys are faces. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I worked in Boston the one time, I was up in Boston, and uh, a couple people had come up to that knew who I was. Nobody else up there knew me. 
Nobody. So that was the first night we worked with Eddie Guerrero, dropping names. <laughs> I was supposed to work K-Dog. Remember K-Dog from WCW? Yeah. I was supposed to work him. He didn't show up. So they had me working as Nick the Hippie. So I'm coming to the ring, and a couple people were like, holy fuck, that's martial law. They start chanting martial law. The whole crowd starts chanting martial law. I'm supposed to be a heel. Yeah. Like, I get out to the ring, and, like, they're all chanting martial law, martial law. And I'm like, I think I, was I at that one? No, this was in Boston. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, what bizarre world did we just walk into? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a heel. Now boo me. So, <laughs> so we had to change the whole match in the ring. And then the promoter wanted me to go over, even though I wasn't the local guy, which ended up getting us booked for another like three months up there. Because yeah, we would do two shows a Friday and a Saturday night once a month for, we were up there for like six months. And we worked with Eddie Guerrero for all but two shows because the, Night before he went, or the weekend before he went back to Raw, mm-hmm. he worked down. And he told us, he goes, Hey, I'm, I'm back to the show on Monday. Don't tell anybody. I want to let you guys know. Huh? Yeah. I used to eat breakfast with him. <laughs> like, Lovebug and me were going out to eat breakfast, and Lovebug was running late, of course. And uh, Eddie Guerrero came out. He goes, Hey, you want to go down to the gym and get some breakfast then? I'm like, Sure. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Lovebug. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hanging out with Eddie Guerrero in the gym. Yeah. I, mean, I wasn't lifting like Eddie Guerrero in the gym. Every once in a while, I'll run into like Hacksaw Jim Dog, and uh, now he he's the first name I booked on any of my shows. And that's not true. Yes, it is, because we did the Reading the Reading uh, Fair, the Reading Fair, and we we booked Hacksaw on that show. Yeah, because I I was uh, a battle royal, wasn't I? In there? Yep. And uh, we oh, that one there. that one's that was actually I think on our our, uh, our YouTube page. Is it? I think so. Oh, I have to go check <sighs> that out. You didn't throw me right out, did you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that, that was the uh, heavyweight X Cup gauntlet match. So it was a gauntlet match. It wasn't necessarily a battle royale. Got a better memory than me. <laughs> Just remember. Well, because I edited it all. I've seen them all a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. But I, re- I remember being there talking to him. But I'll, I'll see him like a Comic Con or anything. Yeah, he was so drunk. Yeah. He was so lit that day. He had, he had gone through like a bottle and a half of vodka. Uh, I would ask him if he remember. He always says he does, but it's it's almost like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like, so I'm not sure. Do you know who remembered me? <laughs> Tony Atlas. Because we work with Tony Atlas. I don't, couldn't tell you how many times. That fucking fly is bothering the shit out of me. I'm trying to block it out, but it's just... I... <laughs> so, Tony Atlas... The one time we were working down in, in Philly at the Blue Horizon, and uh, I had gotten down there late, and Bart Shaw was there before me, and he went up to Bart Shaw, and we had that young kid that we trained, a little skinny, uh, what was his name? It was a quippy name. One Shot. We had that kid, One Shot. So One Shot was riding with me, so we get there. One shot, he was one of our students. So he's, he's, he's on my hip. Uh, Lovebug and Mongoose had gotten there before me with, with Bart Scholl. And, uh, I walk in and apparently Tony Atlas had gone over there and asked them if they had any pickled bologna. He's in Pennsylvania. He asked that pickled bologna. And they said, you know what? I don't have any, but when Marshall Law gets here, he always has pickled bologna with an ass <laughs> So <laughs> I come walking in 
And Tony Atlas comes over to me, and usually, like, you'll walk to the name, shake their hand. Sure. Go and shake everybody else's Everybody. hand. Tony Atlas comes over to me. Hey, Muscle Law, how you doing today? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm shaking his hand. He goes, good. I'm good. Thanks for remembering me. And he goes, by the way, do you have any pickled bologna? And I'm like, why would I have pickled bologna? Well, Bart Saul over there told me you would have pickled bologna. You always have it. I said, you know what? I just, I didn't bring it with me today. I said, I I'm sorry. I apologize. I said, if you want, I'll run down to the 7-Eleven to get you some. And he goes, no, no, you don't do anything special for me. But, And so he's looking at me, yeah. and this kid is sitting like right there, and he's like, you don't do anything special for me. He goes, this is something about your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it was just creepy. <laughs> it was creepy. Anyway, so I was at a cigar fest up in, um, uh, uh, up north. Up there. <laughs> up there where the heathens live yeah uh so i'm at the cigar fest i'm going through and tony Atlas said they're at the one cigar booth and i i walk over to him and and he goes as soon as i walk up before i even say hey i don't know if you remember me he goes martial law how the fuck are you he goes you got any pickle bologna <laughs> i'm like motherfucker i thought you were serious when you did that he goes i know <laughs> So we were sitting there talking for because the guy is weird, like legit. Yeah. He's a weird guy, yeah. but he was always cool to me. Like we we always, but that day he kind of freaked me out. And he goes, "You got any pickle bologna?" And he gets a big smile on his face. I'm like, "Dude, I thought you were serious that day." I'm like, "What the fuck with the pickle bologna?" <laughs> he goes, "Well, I just let it go. I just let it go." <laughs> now, was that show? Uh, was that a school too? School gymnasium? No, that one was not. Because I remember being on a show with him. I didn't have no, like, uh, big conversation with him. But I just remember going up, you know, uh, you know, shake everybody's hand. It's like, how you doing? I remember thinking, you're like 150 years old and you are still jacked. Oh, yeah, he was. Right. But now, uh, we looked at him as 150 years old, and I think he might have been 50 years old then. Like, when, uh, we, were, when we were 30, really? he might have been 45. Oh, uh, maybe. But so we looked at that as old at the time, but yeah. he was jacked. Yeah, he was. I, I I was just like in awe. It's like, how are you still? Because most people, especially when you're a bodybuilder and you're you're lifting for so long, you know, you slow down a little bit and you just, you know, you just start getting skinny. <laughs> well, when I work, with, I work with Bam Bam and I work with Boss Man. And when I work with Boss Man, like that was a strong motherfucker. I didn't realize how, how strong he was until I worked him. Uh, but Bam Bam was strong too, but he was just, he was just bull strong. Yeah. Like he could just throw his weight around. But Bam Bam had a habit of not showing up to shows. And, uh, Ray, he, he, he it wasn't too long after that they passed away. Cause he went back, he went back to WWE then. <laughs> oh my God, that flies driving me crazy. And it was crawling right around here before. Anyway. Come on, guys. I want to be part of the show. <laughs> I'm your number one fan. <laughs> I'm your number one fan. <laughs> we got a new mascot. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap Happy this. To fly. I'm going to wrap this one up quick, and then we'll go into uh, our second episode. Oh, well, before you wrap this one up, I actually have a question. I don't know if you guys already answered it on your own before I came in. But I wanted to ask you. If either of you or both of you had the chance and the money and the time and whatever, would you go back and run your own shows again? 
Uh, I think if I had the money, you know what? I, I have to say no. Because if I run my own show, I'm going to want to get in the ring. At some point in the storyline, I'm going to be in the ring. I was not one of the promoters who had to put himself over for the titles or yeah. be in the middle of everything. Because some promoters are like that. Uh, that was not me. That was not Love Bug. Get him? Yep. Oh, and I let, let him go. go. <laughs> Good job. I think... Uh, uh, but I... I I, I would want to be in the ring. And I, I would love to say, yes, I would do it. I only gave up my promoter's license like five years ago. Uh, I sold both of my rings. like Because we had everything. Yeah. We had we had two rings. We had sound equipment. We had the staging equipment. We had everything you needed to run a show. We had, had to go to bell. nobody for anything. I made him keep the bell. Yeah, I stole the ring bell. I won't let him get rid of that. I love that thing. I think of like, like I, if I hit that... Powerball that just went off. And, yeah. you know, I had a one and a half billion dollars. First thing I would do is get myself, make sure I got myself back in shape. Then I wouldn't mind having a school where I train people and then have the federation on the side. Just to say part of it, something to do. You know? I would encourage an organization who knows how to run a show to come and run shows in my brewery. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, because this it, section of the building. Well, I would have I would have a you. venue where you could have you could have concerts. You could have like I've always thought that like I'd like to have a restaurant and uh, a venue where you could have weddings or you could have a concert or you could have wrestling. Um, and but so it would kind of be separate, but in the same building. Uh, and it evolved into wanting to have a brewery because I've been brewing beer for so long. I I just. I want to have a brewery. Yeah, I always wanted to have like an academy type where I would have the ability to have, you know, like six to 10 rooms. Like I look back at all the, the obstacles I had, like, you know, I, I thought about going to warrior school and stuff like that and stuff that was off in Arizona. I'm like, gotta have some place to stay and stuff like that. But if you had it all part of one big package, like you stayed there, here's your rooms. Yeah. You know, people would also, I mean, especially if you're training every day. You well, that's how it used to be back. Like, if you watch, uh, I forget whose story it was, a female wrestler. But there was a camp where they, they, that they went and lived, they wrestled, they, they, they did everything there. And uh, so that, that would be going old school, really. Yeah. But that would be cool. Yeah. Like, but I just don't think. The business is going anyplace anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's. See, back when we were, when we started out, even when you started out, you had WCW, you had ECW, you had WWF. So you had the big three. So there was competition amongst themselves, not only for storylines and, and viewership, but for talent. Yeah. So you had an opportunity to work at one of the big three. And then TNA came in. And that was the the one I was talking about earlier. Yeah, you get it. Ow! Thank you for that. Next one. <laughs> TNA came in, so you you had four, but the other three were kind of merged into one, and it was it just got muddled, and there's no competition anymore. So the storylines, like the Monday Night Wars, was the best wrestling ever. Yeah, and then it just died. When they, when they bought out WCW, it just died. 
Yeah, you know, you know, it uh, brought up the ratings too when they fed off each other. Yes, absolutely. You know, you got D Generation X outside of their 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 arena that they were wrestling at that night. Don't hit that knife. I thought you were gonna slap <laughs> the knife. No. But now that you say, <laughs> me and John do knife reviews as well. So he has those two knives there to review at some point. That 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 fly is brazen too. Anyway. You killed Jimmy. <laughs> I will revenge him. Yeah, so when there was more competition, there was there was better wrestling. And I just don't see that we me and my daughter did a history of pro wrestling uh podcast where we looked at the history of wrestling in general and where it started. And if if you go back, do you know where wrestling began? Genesis. Yes, in Genesis, there's two verses where they talk about wrestling. Oh, the, yeah. Like, like they wrestled wrestling. with yeah. my brother, whatever. But the, the history of wrestling can be traced back that far. And then now the history of modern wrestling. Uh, yeah, I thought you were talking about professional. Well, wrestling in general. I, but the, the history of modern wrestling was, yeah, uh, circuses and. and uh, uh, P.T. Barnum had a, it wasn't Madison Square Garden, but it was a, a, a garden in in New York where they they had wrestling. And, and, like, some of these matches would go, like, eight hours long. Like, I'm blown up after a 10-minute time limit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I kind of still remember, I don't know if it was during the main shows or what, but back when it was WWF, they would show, like, with the history where it was pictures like Greek and Roman. That, yeah. And that, come to the modern day yeah but it, it like like it, it's a if you're into wrestling it's an interesting listen yeah if you're not into wrestling you're probably like what the fuck are these assholes talking about <laughs> anyhow i'm gonna i'm gonna stop this one i'm gonna wrap this one up my bad uh and then i'm going to we're, we're gonna come back and we're gonna do a movie review so don't miss that uh get your plugs in uh anybody that wants to come and uh join uh my group at in uh facebook it's prowler's pit the movie critic where i'll go through movies as pretty much as soon as they come out and uh i give like an honest review from the everyday i was always tired of you'd see all the critics and they would be like you know this movie's great then you go see it and oh this sucks you know, then you could be like, "Oh, that's horrible." Then you go, "This was amazing." I thought, "Yeah, it's a great movie." <laughs> you know, so I put together uh, quite a few years ago. You know, I need to start upping my game and make my own uh, podcast. You know, one day. <laughs> so we'll we'll link Prowler's Pit, the Facebook page, uh, in here. Do you have a YouTube channel? Uh, I have a YouTube channel for miscellaneous things. It's not for Prowler's Pit, but experiences through bike weeks and uh uh like i i know a lot of people that are in bands and i'll do editing for them and make music videos and stuff like that so if you want to look up charles leg on youtube you can check out my channel please subscribe it'd be much appreciated we will link that below as well hit the like button yeah do all the algorithms likes just sit there just go all the algorithm stuff (laughs) so uh today we took on just bullshit with an old friend, and uh, now you go take on the world.
This show is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find the other great shows on the network, head over to the Deluxe Edition Network.com. Hold on, stop. Welcome back to the Shit Show 2.0. Okay, Boomer. Damn millennials. Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. Even flirters who who are obviously mentally ill. You want to be my wife? Oh, this is gonna go downhill real quick. 